friends, a revolution is taking place in our country in front of our eyes. How will we respond? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to the Line of Fire. To all the dads out there, I hope you had a wonderful Father's Day yesterday. To those dads who are alienated from kids, alienated from family, may this be the year of restoration. Michael Brown, welcome to the Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. If you've listened to me over the years, if you've read my books or articles, if you've been in meetings where I've preached You know my heart's on fire. You know my heart's burning. You know I I speak and minister out of a sense of burden, uh, not just to get words out, not just to air an opinion, not to entertain, but really out of a a burden. And many of you can relate to that in your own lives. But in recent weeks, it's been unusually intense, friends. As I look at what's happening in America around us, uh, there's something burning inside of me. Will we wake up? Will we see it? Will we get it right? It's, it's almost like watching a, a rerun of a scene that ends in disaster, and you're hoping, okay, this, this time, let's get it right. We have another opportunity. Having lived through the tumultuous 60s, having been a product of the 60s and the counterculture revolution, a heavy drug user, rebel, rock drummer, and radically saved in the Jesus revolution, the Jesus people move in the early 70s, and then carefully watching society and writing about things and, and seeking to be a son of Issachar, which hopefully we can all be, understanding the times and knowing what God's people should do, applying that verse from First Chronicles 12, 32 over to us today. To me, for us to be God's prophetic people means we see what should be obvious to everyone but is not. And as I watch spiritual forces at work, As I watch cultural forces at work, friends, this is bigger than Democrat, Republican. This is bigger than Trump, Biden. This is bigger than protest, riots. This is so much larger. And the implications so much larger. And and the potential destruction to come out of this so much larger. We we must grab hold of this moment. We, We must seize this moment. Now, look, I want to focus on a few things that are highly controversial. But if you've listened to me over the years, or you're just getting to know, know me, excuse me, you know that I focus on these things not for the sake of controversy, not to get more people viewing or clicking or following or sharing, but to address things with God's wisdom, to be your voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity in the midst of chaos, in the midst of compromise. So that's why we're going to tackle controversies. I have no desire to inflame, to insult, to provoke but rather to speak the truth in love. And I want you to respond. You can agree with me, differ with me. Phone lines are open, 866-34-TRUTH. I understand that there can be a debate about certain statues from the past in different parts of our country. I understand there can be a debate about a Confederate statue, someone that was fighting on the wrong side of the Civil War, someone that was, yes, fighting to preserve the, quote, Southern way of life, but also 
fighting for the right to slavery. I can understand why there would be controversy. Do you leave historic monuments up and that's, that's part of our history? Or do you say that monument was put up to celebrate someone and we don't want to celebrate them? Say, I understand the debate and the discussion. What we have to realize is where something goes. We'll still, we can have that discussion. That's perfectly fine. But we have to ask, where does this go? What's the trajectory? What does this lead to? What happens next? So when there was the controversy in Charlottesville and the Robert E. Lee statue coming down and all of that, Donald Trump said something uh, live, so it was videotaped, but he also tweeted this out. Trump tweeted this. He said, can't change history. So this is 2017, August 2017, almost three years ago. Can't change history, but you can learn from it. Robert E. Lee... Stonewall Jackson. Then he said, who's next? Washington, Jefferson, so foolish. That was August 2017. Of course, he's gotten ridiculed and mocked for making that statement. Uh, Listen to what comedian John Oliver had to say. All right, not hearing the audio there. We'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, There's an article on Breitbart.com that talks about others who have done this exact same thing, that they also mocked Trump when he said, you know, who are they coming after next? Jefferson, Washington. So Nolte, John Nolte, and he's got some strong opinions himself, Trump was mocked for predicting, predicting woke Taliban, that's how he's describing the cancel culture in America today, wouldn't stop at Confederate statutes. What's amazing is he quotes a conservative writer on the National Review, Rich Lowry, who's got great insight in many, many areas, whereas just a few days ago, Rich Lowry was, was taking issue with this and saying these statues aren't coming down. This is just a few days back, R- remarkably. So listen, here's the point. When, when we warn, when I say we, conservatives, Christian leaders, in this case, the president, okay? But when we warn about where something is going, it can seem crazy now. Those of you who wondered 14, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, why I started addressing gay lesbian issues, why I started talking about those things, why I I spent years writing a book, A Queer Thing Happened to America, why I now got myself blacklisted uh, uh, site after site or group after group or, or by these leading uh, major influence groups saying, you know, Brown's a hater, or a homophobe, whatever. Why even bother with that? Why, why even deal with that? Because I knew that this is where the culture was going. That, that I knew, and many others knew before me, that this would become gay activism, the principal threat to freedom of religion, speech, and conscience. That was self-evident to me and many others years ago. So there's the one thing the church wants to show compassion to all. The church wants to make sure everyone can come in their doors or their meetings, their homes, and and feel welcomed and receive the love of God and the truth of the gospel. So we reach out to the people with compassion, but we resist the agenda with courage. We say no to an agenda because we we see where it would, oh, it's so modern, what do you, now you see where it leads. Now you see how far it goes. You can get canceled out by the culture if you just raise a question. If you're a, a major player, you know, an athlete or something, say one word differing with a, a gay agenda, you're, you're blacklisted. 
you got to go on an apology, apology tour, and you never may rehabilitate yourself. I mean, it, it is just the reality. So listen to what John Oliver said mocking Donald Trump. The president's concern seems to down statues leads to a slippery slope. This week it's Robert E. Lee. I noticed that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you, all, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Okay, well, I'll tell you where it stops. Somewhere. Anytime someone asks, where does it stop? The answer is always, somewhere. You might let your kid have Twizzlers, but not inject black tar heroin. You, you don't just go, well, after the Twizzlers, where does it stop? Right, so in point of fact, that, that's a completely inane comment to start. Everything stops somewhere, but you may not like where it stops. Everything stops somewhere, but, but you may be grieved over where it stops. Everything stops somewhere, but you, here, you know, you, you overeating today, where does it stop? It may stop with a heart attack because of obesity. So first, the comment itself is completely inane. Yeah, it stops somewhere. So the very things that Trump said would happen are happening. Friends, you don't understand where this is. Excuse me. Many of you do understand. Forgive me for saying like that. Many of you understand exactly where the cancel culture is going. And it's not a matter of vote for Trump and save the world. That's not my point at all. I'm not talking politics, friends. Don't hear me politically. I'm not talking race. I'm talking about spiritual, cultural ideological. Uh, I'm going to play a clip for you. A friend of mine sent this to me. And, and it, it's, it's uh, a brother on Twitter, uh, Manuel Acho. I love his spirit. I love his approach. I love his attitude. But I want to differ with something. This is uncomfortable conversations to have with white friends. And it's uh, when I posted it, or, or brought it in for our team and had almost 8 million views. So a lot of people are watching this resonate with, again, probably a lot of great things being said, and I love his spirit. But here, here's where I want to take issue. Let's, let's listen. Uh, welcome to the first of hopefully many episodes of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. In the midst of all this chaos in our world, so many of y'all have reached out to me, and by y'all, I mean white people reached out to me asking, how can I help? How can I join in? How can I stand with you? So I've created this for you. Um, because in order to stand with us and people that look like me, you have to be educated on issues that pertain to me and fully educated so that you can feel the full level of pain so that you can have full understanding. I, I fervently believe that if the white person is your problem, only the white person can be your solution. And so this is made for you, my white brothers and sisters, to increase your level of understanding so that you can increase uh, your level of compassion and lead ultimately to change. So consider this a safe space to answer so many questions that I've seen from y'all. The first question I've seen a lot of, Emmanuel, why are y'all rioting? I understand protesting, but why riot? And to that I submit this. Uh, MLK said that rioting is the language of the unheard. For years, black people have tried peacefully protesting, going back to 1965 and before with the Selma March, and that didn't work. And then in 2016, Colin Kaepernick, he took a knee and that agenda got moved to a flag, which was never the goal. He just wanted to raise awareness on social injustice. So that didn't work. And so now we've seen riots because black people and hurt people are trying to get the attention of the oppressor. They're trying to raise, raise awareness of the oppression. All right, so here's where I differ. 
Here's right there, and I appreciate the spirit, love the spirit of it, and I'm sure there's a lot of good content. The riots have been hijacked. The riots have been hijacked. And, and those who are pushing for the rioting are, are forces of cultural anarchy. And, and aside from the fact that it just opens the door for lawlessness, when, when someone breaks into a Target store and carries out a big screen TV, that's not a righteous protest and grief over the, the death of George Floyd. That's, that's thuggery. That's, that's looting. That's lawlessness. That's chaos. So the concern is that there's not a recognition of the forces involved. And there are nefarious forces that hate much of what America stands for and much of the good in America. And friends will soon be coming your way to cancel you out. Chris asks, hey, hey, what's wrong with removing a statue of a a racist slaveholder? That's a perfectly fair question. Happy to discuss that. But that's got nothing to do with pulling down a statue of George Washington. We'll be right back. God of light, hear our cry. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. Hey, look. I relate to the prophetic more than the political. In other words, I relate more to when the prophets of Israel would be calling Israel to repent than I relate to a political rally. So when I'm looking at America, thank God for America, thank God for the good in America, thank God for how we've helped the world, thank God for many great things in our heritage, but I'm always burdened where America needs to repent. That's been my message for, for you. So I got saved and started preaching. The church needs to repent. America needs to repent. We need to repent. I think whatever generation you put me, that would be my burden, starting with me. So I, I have no problem pointing out fault flaws with America today, yesterday, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. But let's remember that slavery was the norm throughout much of the world. Then. There was African slavery. Africans enslaving Africans. The Muslim world in the Middle East and other parts of the world were enslaving Africans and others. People were enslaved. Slavery was the norm around the world. And when our founding fathers came over here, that was the norm they came from in England. But because of Christian heritage, some pushed back against it. There was resistance to this from day one. There was opposition through our history. And that's what ultimately led to a bloody civil war with 600,000 casualties. Think of how many white men died fighting for the freedom of black men in America. It was a bloody civil war. So, yeah, we've had slavery in our history. Horrific and excusable. And sure, we've had segregation and white supremacy in our history. You wouldn't have had segregation or slavery without white supremacy. Sure, we've had that. But we've also had many positive, wonderful qualities. And, and look, I tweeted this out because I, I, get, I get so burdened and so grieved over the hypocrisy, over the double standards, over, over the, the, the misreporting. And I, I find it on all different sides, okay? Remember, I'm a, I'm a registered independent, for the record, for those who don't know me, all right? And I wrote the book... Donald Trump is not my savior. I voted for him in 2016, and if it's him versus Biden in 2020 and things are the way they are today, I'll vote for him in 2020. But I do not look to him to save America or change America. Our whole system is flawed and fallen. The Supreme Court, it's a fallen system because it's a fallen world, even though America excels in so many ways. And I've, I've been outside of America 200 times, roughly, okay? 
I've, I've been around the world. I've spent several years of my life combined serving in different nations, working in different nations. We've had students in our school of ministry for many, many years from all around the world. I have friends, leaders from all around the world. So I don't just have some America-centric, you know, blinders on, okay? Not the least. And, and if you'll read my books over the decades, you'll see that there's a constant call to our nation to repent. That's why I've said white fragility. What's that, man? If we, we did something wrong, show us, whatever. If a black person did something wrong, a Hispanic person did, or an Asian, Jew, it's whatever, just let's repent and fix things. What's the big deal? Right? I mean, big deal in terms of lives affected, yes, but in terms of admitting wrong or fault or flaw, why be fragile over that? This is, there's no nation on earth that's perfect. America, when you think of the superpowers, would you rather, here, would you rather live in China or Russia or in America if you love freedom? Simple question for you. But I, I get so grieved over the double standards. I get, I get so grieved over the now anyone that votes for Trump, that's why he's a white supremacist. I mean, this garbage that is divisive and destructive. It, it, is, it is no better than labeling blacks a certain way or Hispanics a certain way, Asians a certain way, Jews a certain way. It's no better than that. So I, I tweeted this out over the weekend and it instantly took off. You have no moral right to condemn slavery in past generations if you support abortion in our generation. Notice those words, moral right. If you're going to be morally indignant about slavery in our day, morally, uh, you're going to look back and today say what a horror it was. Of course it was a horror. It was an unimaginable horror. Unimaginably wrong, unequal, unchristian, oppressive, destructive, you name it, it was. But if you're going to be outraged over that morally and support abortion, you don't have a right to do that. You are devaluing human beings in the womb. You are spitting. on. Uh, if you support abortion today, not to say if you had an abortion in a difficult time and you've repented of it, you've asked the Lord for forgiveness and he's forgiven you. I'm talking about supporting it, promoting it. Shout your abortion. You're spitting on the lives of 60 million babies killed in the womb. Don't turn around and say, oh, our slavery past was so wrong, segregation was so wrong. That's outright hypocrisy. Outright hypocrisy. Just like it would be hip- hypocritical to be pro-life, anti-abortion today, and, and look the other way with segregation or downplay slavery. It would be just as evil. So we immediately turn that into a meme. Our great graphic artists immediately turned that into a meme, and we posted that on Facebook. So if, if you didn't share it, share it. If you're watching, you can see it now. But, but it's, it's a powerful image. You have no moral right to condemn slavery in past generations if you support abortion in our gen generation. So it's the hypocrisy that is so grievous. And when I talk about the other cultural forces, look, read some of the statements of Black Lives Matter's founders. Listen to what they say about being trained in Marxism and their worldviews, even the comrade word in some of their statements. This is not a race issue. This is a larger cultural issue. And it is a cancel culture. It is akin in that regard to the, to the Cultural Revolution in China. Now, in that case, under Chairman Mao, that cost tens of millions of lives. Some put the number of 40, 50, 60 million. I mean, an absolutely horrific time. And, and the current leader of China is, is fashioning himself to be the new Mao. And I've read articles where China's looking over and say, oh, good, America's having their Cultural Revolution. I'm just 
warning as loudly as I can. You, you give place to the cancel culture. It's going to turn and cancel you next. It will cancel you next. It will void you out. So what we need to do is say, where do we still have negative legacies from the past that exist until today? Attitudes from the past that exist until today. What are we promoting that is not righteous and just today? Where are we not sensitive to the needs and cries of others whose life experience is different? Those are questions we need to put on the table. I wrote an article that posted on the stream yesterday some honest questions on on race relations from a, a white Messianic Jew. Honest questions about racial issues from a white American Messianic Jew. And I put a specific description of myself there for a reason. So I said, look, if we're going to have a conversation, it's got to be two-way. I listen, listen, day and night, I listen, listen, listen. I read more stuff against what I believe than stuff confirming what I believe, genuinely, for years and years and years. I have read far more anti-Trump books than pro-Trump books. I have read far, far more about racism in America today than defense of America, far more. And I sit and I listen and I try to take things in and I try to understand. All right. So I just said, though, if we're going to really grow, the conversation has to go both ways. So I have some questions I'm I'm trying to ask as well. So if we just open up that article, my first question was, how do we know which black voices to listen to? In other words, I'm asking this on behalf of many white conservative evangelicals. They they said, well, Thomas Sowell, respected intellectual, Walter Williams, or you know, commentators like Larry Elder or, or uh, social media people like Candace Owens or Martin Luther King's niece, Alveda King, or, or social media people like Diamond and Silk or, or people like Talib Starks. Their message is radically different than the, the message of the liberals, the progressives. So do we, do we listen to them or we dis- discount them? I have a friend who's a black bishop, but he's a conservative Republican. And he told me oh, probably 10 years ago. He said, I have a lot of doors closed in my face because I'm not black enough. Well, what does that mean? I'm, I'm trying to understand, trying try to have conversation where I can understand. I, I noted that October 6, 2019, that there was a gathering of young black leaders at the White House. And Politico said in attendance were some of the hundreds of young black conservatives who came to Washington this past week as a show to liberal America that African-Americans can be conservative and support Trump that the conservative movement is not just for old white men. So how do we process that? In other words, there are different white voices, there are different Hispanic voices, there are different black voices. I, my thing is listen to all the different voices and process what I believe is right and wrong. But some say, no, you have to listen to this voice, no, you can't listen to this voice. Well, based on what? And, and then in a PragerU video, Talib Starks said, this is how too many blacks see themselves as victims. So much so that their victim status becomes their primary identity and their ruling ideology. I call it victimology. Unfortunately, many black churches preach this victimology. Many black parents pass it on to their children. Inner city schools teach it to their students, and the black media reinforce it. Meanwhile, the NAACP and other black grievance groups fundraise on it. So what I wonder about is this. I personally understand, seems pretty clear to me, that it's, harder on average to be a black American than a white American. I think most would agree with that. And it's common sense that with so much of our history dominated by slavery, segregation, racism, that there would still be lasting wounds 
and problems until this day. That makes sense. But I've, I've had African-American callers over the years say, Dr. Brown, we have to overcome a victim mentality. Someone asked me on social media the other day, do Jews have it? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do because of our history. So my question is, how, how pervasive is that? And how do we as friends, as brothers and sisters, address it? Or is it for others to address it, not for me to address? These are just honest questions. Genuine questions I put out on the table for discussion, for growth. All right, we come back. I want to go to your calls, 866-348-7884. If you're not on my email list, sign up today because we're sending out a special offer for my new book, Evangelicals at the Crossroads, Will We Pass the Trump Test? I'm thrilled with the interest in this book. Before it's out, it's going to be published in what? Oh, about three weeks. But we've got a unique special offer exclusively for those on our email list. So go there now. Go to AskDrBrown.org and sign up for our emails, and you'll get a special announcement tomorrow morning. I think you'd be pretty excited by it. Be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. Right now, the church in America is the hope of America. If we will be on our knees seeking God in prayer, if we will be going before him to repent of sin in our own lives, if we will be reaching out with the good news of the gospel that transforms lives, if we will be God's prophetic voice to the culture around us, we can see positive change, radical change. If the Holy Spirit is mightily poured out, we can see change come. It's not going to come from the right wing or the left wing. It's not going to come through the media. It's not going to come through the White House. It's going to have to come from God's throne through God's people. Otherwise, The nation could collapse or divide in front of our eyes. Otherwise, America, as we know it, in its best qualities, could be gone. And friends, there is a reason, with all the flaws, faults and flaws and shortcomings of America, there's a reason that people come flocking to our shores. It remains a land of great opportunity. It remains a land of great influence. And and God wants to do good in America and other nations as well. But the key, the key is the tens of millions of believers in America. If we will get hold of God and yield our lives so he takes hold of us, we can see the nation shaken. Other than that, it's going to get dire, friends. It's, it's going to be living chaos in so, so many ways. And I just tweeted out a moment ago that as I understand the prophetic, that the prophet's would speak something that should have been obvious to everyone, but wasn't. But once they spoke in the power of the Spirit, eyes were open, and you couldn't unsee things. It's the same with us as God's people today. We are to be a voice of moral clarity. We are to be a voice of spiritual sanity. We are to be God's voice to a confused and hurting and dying and rebellious world. And as we speak as God's prophetic people, eyes are opened, and you can't unsee it which should have been obvious, becomes obvious. Just like my book, Jezebel's War with America, once I saw things, I couldn't unsee them. When I'd speak about this, suddenly people would see things, they couldn't unsee them. 
It's the same with us today. 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Let's go to the phones. We'll start in Raleigh, North Carolina with David. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, thank you for take, taking my call. Um, you know, uh, thank you for saying what you did about abortion, uh, because that does uh, touch my heart about how I vote. Um, but I'm also very concerned that um, President Trump has two rape allegations, and uh, Biden has one lady accusing him of sexual assault, in which she has asked his HR file to be checked. And um, the young lady's brother's story changed dramatically uh, from, oh, she just said that she got harassed to these really horrific details, which if my sister told me horrific details, I would um, I would remember that. Uh, and so I was just wondering your opinion about uh, Mr. Trump's uh, the rape allegations made about him, two women. Yeah, well, actually, there are many women that have brought sexual assault charges against Trump over the years. And there's a list of women, a pretty long list of women who brought charges against Biden, uh, maybe not on the same level. My call has been, let's, let's be equal. In other words, right. if you're going to dismiss one, dismiss the other, which is not the right way to handle it. The right way to handle it is examine both. If you listen to conservative uh, right-leaning media, they will say the charges against Trump are largely bogus, but Biden should be taken seriously. If you listen to the left-leaning media, it's the exact opposite. So to me, the big issue is equal weights and measures. Exactly. What I would say I is... Think, yeah, I think and, and, Biden, the fact that he said, look at my HR record, and uh, the story of this young lady has changed then, Well, so David, though, if, if you'll dig in, trust me, You'll dig in. You'll find confirmation after confirmation so, so after you, confirmation. You don't, believe, you don't believe Biden, but what about Trump? Do you believe these two women and one of them is seeking his DNA is lying? I don't know about either. That's my position. You I don't know. So it doesn't bother your conscience to vote for somebody who could have raised. All right, so, so David, I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to answer. OK. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these are things I had to wrestle with and look at. I, that's why one of the reasons I so strongly opposed Trump in the, in the primaries and had so many issues with him, especially not thinking he would keep any of his promises and thought he was just using evangelicals. So, and I, I kept saying, I hope I'm wrong. But I don't know. I, I find many of the charges against Biden and Trump to be credible, frankly, that it, none of this would surprise me if this was in their past. I also know that many false charges are brought about people. Here, I mean, I'm not on this level, but I get, I get lied about day and night on the internet, day and night. I don't, I don't mean things like this, but all kinds of other things that I know are completely bogus, 100%. I have friends of mine that get lied about day and night. And I, I'm not a public player the way Trump or Biden is, obviously, okay? So, the, you know, the people that accuse Roy Moore, what happened to them after the election? They just seemed they disappeared. The whole Brett Kavanaugh thing, there was a sex ring at Yale. It's just the charges got crazy. So all I say is equal weights, equal measures. I've seen the charges against Trump be decimated. You can't believe it for this reason, this reason, this reason. And I've seen the opposite. So 
I honestly don't know. What I do believe is that whatever immorality was in Trump's past is in Trump's past. It was part of his sinful celebrity culture, and probably a lot of politicians have been guilty of things like that. And a, a lot of actors and famous people have been guilty of things like that. But I don't know. I have not seen compelling evidence to convict either, but I have not seen that there's been a fair investigation. The right will damn Biden. The left will damn Trump. For every point you raise, 10 points will be raised against Biden for Trump, depending on who you're listening to, or the reverse on the other side. Yes, yeah, so I, I am not, I'm voting primarily for a, a platform and primarily on how someone has acted as long as I've focused on them. So I deplore a lot of the divisiveness with Trump, a lot of his insults and attacks on other people, uh, the volatile climate that he has created through his leadership. I don't like any of that. I wish he was a very different person in that regard. At the same time, I would much rather have him in office than Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. So it comes down to a vote. And if you can't vote at all, that's per- I, I respect that. I totally respect that. 100% respect that. 100%. I'm not going to say, well, if you don't vote, you- no. If you in conscience can't vote for either candidate or cast a third-party vote, that's between you and God. And, and last thing, David, I am not putting my hope in Donald Trump to change America. If, if I drew up my list of, of the 10 key things in terms of focus, emphasis, what I want to see happen, what's most important to changing America, voting even for president would barely make it into my top 10. So as I explain in Evangelicals at the Crossroads, a book I think you'll find really helpful because I lay out the case against Trump and then the case for Trump, and then more importantly, what we as evangelicals must do if we are to keep our testimony in the midst of the, of the controversy and the swirling media and social media. But I point out, a vote's just a vote. Let's not make more of it. I'm not a defender of Trump, an apologist for Trump, but he gets my vote in terms of which candidate. Now, if it could be confirmed that he literally raped women in the past and, and, and paid them off and lied about it, then that would take things one step further. But I am not convinced. It's credible, but not convincing. In any case, vote your conscience, man. Be sensitive to that. Vote your conscience. But if abortion is important, by no means vote for a pro-abortion candidate. Hey, thank you for the call, sir. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, we go to Denny in New York City. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. Thanks for taking the call. You bet. Signed up with you on Patreon. Thank um, you so much. I, I appreciate that. I, I, um, I agree with you. Um, so I have a unique perspective on race in America. Um, I grew up in um, a small country in Africa, even though uh, I was born in um, Asia. And my wife is from Europe. So I have deep uh, personal ties to all three continents. Um, I've lived in the U.S. for 30 years, so um, I've spent time um, both in Africa, Asia, and Europe. Um, and I have to say, the you know, talk about police brutality, racism is much worse outside of the U.S. than inside U.S. Um, furthermore, you know, 
no country is perfect. I guess only heaven is perfect. America is not perfect, but America is filled with good people who are working towards a more just society, and I've seen big changes. Um, so I would never say, um, damn America. America is a great place. It's not perfect, but it's getting better every day, every month, every year. Danny, would you mind, Danny, would you mind sharing specifically what countries you've lived in before, or, or would you rather not? Yeah, so um, I lived in uh, West Africa, uh, in a country called Ghana. Okay. I was born in Hong Kong. My wife is from Ireland. Hmm. So I, I spent every summer in Ireland. Um, I spent 18 years in Africa. And I have close uh, personal ties to uh, to Hong Kong, so I am very familiar with all three cultures or four cultures, including the U.S. And um, I have to say that the the level of racism um, in these other continents outside of the U.S. are much worse. And talked about police brutality in other countries, in Africa, in Hong Kong today, mm. um, they are much worse. So, I, you know, I try to tell my kids that you live, you should be um, thankful, grateful that you live in a great country like the U.S. It's not perfect, no place is perfect, but it's a place filled with good people who are working towards a more just and fair society Every day. And that's hey, Danny, I, I very much appreciate that perspective. The thing is just, it's important to understand. Are we flawed as human beings? Is your local church flawed? Well, of course America's flawed. But so is the rest of the world. So is the rest of the world. Let's appreciate the good that's here as well. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I want to speak for one moment to everybody watching us right now on Facebook or YouTube. Can I take a moment to do that? Everyone listening on radio, you get to listen in as well. We do our best to pour into you every day for free, as you know. So the radio show, it is what it is. You want to listen to it a day later, a week later, a month later, it's all available online. Audio, video, no charge. We have, what, 2,000 plus videos on our YouTube channel. They're available for you to watch. I write normally five articles a week. None of them are hidden behind a subscription paywall. Uh, we do our best to make massive amounts of material available to you to be a blessing. Now, you can buy classes of ours. You can enroll in our school and pay for material and things like that. But we make tens of thousands of hours of material available to be a blessing to you, to serve you. That's our calling. But we do it with financial help from everyday people, people working jobs, people going to their local churches, people trying to raise godly families, just everyday people that say, hey, I want to help. I want to help. So there is a button you could see if you're, if you're watching on Facebook now, 
All right? And I'll speak to everyone listening on radio in a moment. So if you're watching on Facebook, you see right, right, beneath, right beneath my face there, it says Donate. So click on that, and if you give a dollar or five or 10 or 50 or 500,000, every dollar helps. This is directly through Facebook to our ministry. It's just, it's a great service provided by Facebook. They don't take like 20% out of things. So it is a great, great way. Uh, We haven't used the donate button much, but if you appreciate what we're doing, you're watching on Facebook, would you just say, yeah, I appreciate that. Even if it's a dollar, just everybody just say, hey, yeah, I appreciate this. Or if it's five or $10, would you do that? And, and, And just express your appreciation of standing together with us but it's, it's enabling us to do what we're doing. It's not even a way of saying thank you as much as a way of saying, hey, keep doing this. I want you to do this more, Dr. Brown. We believe in you and your message. The same on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, the bottom of that screen, you see over on the chat side, there is, there is a dollar sign. You can click on that to donate. You say, I don't have a lot. That's not the issue. It's everybody doing what they can makes a wonderful and beautiful difference, and enables us to reach more people. We are making major plans on major video series that have never been done before on key issues and and more things we can talk about right now. As you support us and help us, we can reach more and more. And if you're listening on radio and say, hey, don't leave me out. We don't want to leave anyone out. Everyone's help is warmly welcome. If you're listening on radio, go to our website, Ask Dr. Brown, ASK drbrown.org. Click on donate your one-time gift or a monthly supporter or torchbearer. And yeah, we have even more exclusive special content for our monthly supporters and our Patreon supporters. So join us today, partner, or help us with a one-time gift. Uh, You know, we very rarely talk about money. It's not because we're independently wealthy. It's because we trust the Lord. He's faithful and you're faithful too. So thank you in advance for standing with us, And there's even scripture that those who are taught in the Word should share good things with their teacher. I remember being at a meeting in India, of course, you know, been there 27 times, and God knows how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of services I've been in there. But there was a Sunday morning service, and the offering came, and, and people came and put, you know, vegetables and fruit and different things. For, that's what they had, and they laid that down. I thought, it's not precious in God's sight. So support your local congregation, your home congregation. But if we're a blessing to you, stand with us. 866-34-TRUTH. Let us go over to Dallas, Texas. Richard, welcome to the line of fire. Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Very well, sir. Okay. I had a, um, I guess, old school, couple of bones to pick. Please. Uh, with you, uh, with you guys regarding uh trump yeah um uh, and belief in what they say about uh biden him against biden and what they say about trump well the thing about donald trump is you don't have to listen to what they say he has said it himself first thing okay and what biden has been said about him that's talk that's hearsay but you don't have to judge trump according to what has been said about him he has said these issues himself you he mean like ten, that 10 years ago, that horrific comment about... I'm just saying... Let me no, just I just, just want to be... Cl- no, go ahead. I'm going to hang up. Go ahead. Go okay, ahead. and then I'm going to hang up. Uh, and also, I've heard this man stand up and say that maybe he's the second coming. 
and I can't understand how evangelicals can follow him. But then, on the other hand, I understand that because he is against homosexuality and abortion, we take those as great issues and following him because of that. But then, on the other hand, I feel personally that that is a moral issue that is between those grown people and God. It has nothing to do with man's laws. And last point, unless you have sit or walk in a black person's shoes, I started out pulling cotton when I was five years old. I used to be chased home by white folks with guns and sheets across the field. I used to have to go in the back doors of places. Now, unless you have walked in our shoes, you really don't understand. So I get tired of people here and say, say that I understand this and I understand that. You don't. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, and I'll hang up. Hey, hey Richard, no, st- stay there. I, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Is that okay? Okay. Number one, you're 100% right. Of course I don't understand. Of course I don't understand. Of course I can't imagine it. I cannot. That's why I listen. That's why I listen and try to learn and try to understand so that I can, I can at least have a sense of empathy. Look, I, I just said it earlier today. Uh, I don't know if you, if you caught it maybe in an early part of the broadcast. I said, to me, obvious that it's harder to be a black American than a white American overall, grown up today in America. And that with our history of slavery, segregation, Jim Crow, that there must be a legacy of that that remains today, open wounds and inequities. So at least I understand that much. No, I can't imagine what it's like. But thanks to callers like you for many years and friends and constant reading of of folks from your background and, and live through what you live through, it sensitizes me to how much I don't understand. So 100 percent, I want to make that clear. All right. And um, okay. would you mind if I send you a copy of my book? It won't be out for until next month called Evangelicals at the Crossroads, where I, I weigh the, the good and bad with Trump. Would you mind if I send you a free copy of that? I would appreciate it. All right. So you stay right there. OK. And, and uh, Howard is going to get your info. But, Howard, wait for one moment until I uh, uh, respond to Richard's points. And, and then from there, um, as soon as I'm done... Then you get Howard's uh, info. So I want to send you that book as uh, Richard, uh, Richard's info. I want to send you that book as a gift. So, Richard, uh, yeah, Trump has said the, the tape from 10 years ago where he talked about grabbing women and so on. Horrific. He did apologize for it. Uh, but as far as the second comment, I took that in, as a mockery thing that he was, he was joking about himself, that he doesn't actually think that that way. But it's a very difficult choice. In other words, the Democrat platform, to me, I I categorically differ with many parts of it and support the Republican platform. And I see abortion as a moral, natural issue, national issue, just as slavery would have been or just as segregation would have been. That these are major moral issues to weigh or just America standing with Israel or America standing against world terrorism or America standing up to China. These are big things, and I think Trump would do a much better job of it than Biden. But trust me, these are difficult issues because of the, the character of Trump that fails in many ways. That's the reason I wrote the book. So, Howard, the title is Evangelicals at the Crossroads. But, Richard, thank you for calling and picking the bone with me. I appreciate it. And when you read the book, then I think you'll see, ah, I'm representing both sides fairly here. And, and here's why I come down where I do. But I end the book by saying far more important than who's in the White House is the character of the church in America today. All right, Howard, go for it. Richard, thank you for calling. I appreciate it. And uh, we go over to Utah. 
Kurt, welcome to the line of fire. Yeah, hi, uh, Dr. Brown. Uh, great to talk to you. Yes, thank you. Uh, uh, first time caller. Uh, just driving cross country here uh, with my wife, uh, listening to you, and uh, sounds like you're a Christian, as am I, and uh, I am a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, I-, I heard you say about uh, you know your your hesitation with Trump, and that it's difficult to vote for him because of divisiveness. And uh, I, uh, I just don't. I, I, when people say that, I just don't uh, follow how they think he's that divisive, because from what I can tell, the things that he says get spun out of context quite frequently by the left and the media. And that well, is well, what a, yeah, what divide. about his tweets? I mean, I plan to vote for him, all things being the same now, in 2020 as I did in 2016, but it's not, there's not an enthusiasm behind it because of things. So you don't find his tweets where he insults people in very ugly ways or calls this one a dog or when he insulted when he insulted Ted Cruz's wife or when he claimed that Ted Cruz's father was involved in the assassination of JFK or when he'll say things at public rallies that are meant to incite animosity. I think Obama was divisive, by the way, and I think the the media is incredibly divisive. I just find Trump to be a very divisive person, too. Part of it is by intent to stir stir things up so i'm not blame yeah anyway go ahead okay yeah and i I agree with some of those uh, early on during the campaign uh uh, although i would say that i think he's gotten better uh over time and uh, just like i you know he claims to be a christian and who knows other than god whether that's true or not hey listen kurt we're we're out of time but uh keep listening and call in again and we'll continue the conversation. Yeah, conversation for another day. Is Trump gotten better, worse, the same? Tomorrow we're going to be joined by a black pastor and a white pastor. A great conversation on race in America.